Howdy, Tulks, and welcome to the first second breakfast, as I'm calling these mini episodes that I hope to do a little more frequently, maybe answer questions, reflect on thoughts, kind of as a way to break things up in between books. So I just finished Fellowship of the Ring. If you have not listened to that episode, please go listen to it. It just came out on Tuesday. And then on the coming up Tuesday, I will be starting The Two Towers. So this is all very exciting. Also, I am sick and please, you're just going to have to get used to that and, you know, get over it as well. Thank you, Ethan. He's going to deny that he got me sick, but he definitely got me sick. So before I get started, I first want to say thank you to everyone who filled out your information on that Google form that I linked to in, I think, maybe four episodes, kind of in the middle of fellowship. I am doing something with that information. Work has just been really busy, but things are calming down now. So I'll actually have time to do stuff with that information. So thank you and just be on the lookout. So uh, today I will be answering questions that come from you guys submitted via, no Siri, don't, don't do that anyway, submitted via Twitter and Instagram about fellowship, my predictions, my thoughts about characters, all that jazz. And wow, thank you so much. I got so many questions. I'm probably not going to be able to answer all of them. I'm honestly super surprised that I got any questions at all. So thank you to everyone who submitted a question. If I don't answer your question, apologies for that. And I probably will end up saving it for a future time. So that being said, I'm jumping into it. First, looking at questions from Twitter. So on Twitter, Luke Barber at Ominex0000. I think that's what it says. Also, side note, I'm sorry for all the butchering of at names and regular names I will be doing in this episode. Anyway, Luke asks, which has been your favorite chapter so far? And I really enjoyed, uh, I think it was chapter seven, maybe book two of Fellowship, obviously a fellowship. That's the only one I've read so far when they're in Lothlorien. I love the elves. I love learning about the forest. I loved learning about the elves and meeting Galadriel and meeting Celeborn. Yeah, I think that was one of my favorite chapters so far. And I'm really, I was just as brokenhearted as the fellowship was when we had to leave Lothlorien because it also says that Frodo will not return to Lothlorien. So that means that we as the readers won't be returning. So that makes me very sad. Also, I'm going to double check that chapter right now. Yes, it is chapter seven, the mirror of Galadriel is my favorite chapter so far. Although I really did enjoy, I think it was chapter four, just for that golden line, fool of a took, throw yourself in next time. That was a great moment. And on a similar note, Hudson Christmas at the amazing MRC2 asks, on a level of sass from a Gandalf 10 to a Frodo 1, where does Legolas fall? Great question. I think Legolas is maybe a, a six or a seven. He's very witty and I appreciate it, but he doesn't seem, Gandalf is like the sass master. Hence him being the 10 on the scale. I think Legolas is a six because he does it from a more joyful place, whereas Gandalf is sassy from a more annoyed place. At Books of Kings, aka one of our previous guests, Sydney asks, how does your attitude toward Lord of the Rings reflect now versus before you read book one? Um... I, I think I'm I'm amazed that I have like strong opinions 
Like, I really hate Boromir. <laughs> and um, Sam annoys me. And I also really love the elves. And I I love the language. So I'm, I'm really surprised that I have these strong feelings toward it. Because I was really afraid, honestly, that I would just be really apathetic and wouldn't have that much passion for this series. Because it seemed... I mean, th- that's another impression I have is just that it seemed like such an old series and language and words. I was afraid that I wasn't going to be able to get into it because the language might sound archaic or complicated. And it definitely does at time. Tolkien's real good at that. But I'm glad that I'm able to appreciate the language and the density of the text, but also not let that interfere with me being able to enjoy it. And then also former guest Kelsey Rippa at Kelso1093, which two characters do you think has the best friendship? And I I feel like the common answer is Merry and Pippin. However, we haven't really seen that much of the dynamic in the book yet. That must be more of a movie thing than a book thing, or maybe we just haven't gotten to it yet in the book. When you hear about Lord of the Rings you th- and you hear like Mary, you don't hear just Mary and you don't hear just Pippin, you hear Mary and Pippin, like Fred and George. So uh, that being said, though, I love the friendship that has developed between Legolas and Gimli. It's such a pleasant surprise. I saw a bunch of memes that kind of that hinted at this friendship or made jokes about it. And I just thought it was exaggerating a part of the text that wasn't really that true or anything. But no, it's canon that (laughs) Gimli and Legolas are BFFs. And that's also a great representation of being able to put aside the histories of the dwarves and the elves. And and now you have this friendship that you can point to as like, yeah, they're besties now. It's great. At Jurassic underscore shark underscore, Sarah Knapp asks, how did you manage to make friends with people that have exclusively lovely and podcast worthy voices? And this has just been a total stroke of luck. And the people who I asked to guest easily could have awful voices like me right now or I don't know maybe do I is this like the Phoebe Buffay moment in Friends where she's sick and and she sings all of her blues songs and it sounds really cool and she's on her game better than ever do I sound better now I don't think so I'm I feel like I'm dying the people who my wonderful wonderful guests who some of them have been people that I knew either through the Bacon and Eggs Discord server, which you can join by going to patreon.com slash bacon and eggs and signing up for, I think it's $5 a month, maybe, maybe $3 a month. I don't remember. It's a cup of co- it's a cup of Starbucks coffee a month. Let's put it that way. And I've met a lot of, I say I've met, I haven't met any of these people, but they're wonderful people. And then also random people on the internet that I reached out to because I saw they had some kind of affinity for Lord of the Rings, um, as well as people that I know in my own life that I'm so thankful that I have this podcast now to kind of be closer to them and, and talk to them more frequently than I did before. And they're all just wonderful people who have wonderful things to say. And I'm so glad that you guys are enjoying their voices. Cool. So now I'm moving on to the questions from Instagram. If you are not already, make sure you are following Tolkien About uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Tolkien About Pod. And if you are if you are not following, 
then you miss out on opportunities like this to submit questions. You also miss out on some dank memes. Except for the High School Musical one that I posted about Boromir and the, the Sharpay meme. I'm not confident in that one, but but I needed something. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so from Instagram, Tate underscore Sansom asks, later in the series, would you rather have Tom Bombadil return or Bill the Pony? A hundred percent Bill the Pony. Are you kidding me? Tom Bombadil showed that he has no absolutely does not care about what's happening with the ring or anything. If he did care, he would be with the fellowship. Bill the Pony, on the other hand, is just an innocent bystander, and I just hope he's doing great. Jas underscore Peregrina asks, what was totally different from the bits you remember from seeing the movie? And one thing I remember from the movie is being really unimpressed with Galadriel. And uh, I was actually so unimpressed that I didn't even remember the name of the character. I just remember there was some female character that kind of swept in and she was this like, she, she came in for such a brief moment and she did. And then she had some kind of moment with, I don't remember, going off of the predictions that I'm making, it might have been with Aragorn. And it was very clearly like a, this is our forced love interest scene. And that's why she's in this movie is because she has to be the love interest for this character. And that was the only impression I had of her. And now, obviously, you guys know that Galadriel is amazing. I love her. She's great. And I think she should be leading the fellowship instead of Aragorn. So... That's definitely something that's totally changed. Chloem48 asks, thoughts on Mary and Boromir? So my thoughts on Mary are that is that he is the superior hobbit. He's the best. He's the most competent. He has more life skills than the others. He is the superior hobbit. And then by stark contrast, Boromir is the worst. <laughs> and I'm told I've been told several times that that opinion will change. We'll see about that. I just like something major would have to change in order for me to like Boromir or not even like him for for him to be redeemed. I understand that he was under the control or the influence of the ring, but even before that he was not my favorite. So we'll see what happens with Boromir, but as of now, Mary is the best and Boromir is the worst. A1C underscore Alan Tyler asks, what main theme slash message did you get out of the book? And that's a great question. I think a, a really great message is not to underestimate people because Frodo is a hobbit, a very ordinary hobbit, and he has the most powerful or, you know, the the thing with the most potential to be the most powerful thing ever. You wouldn't be able to tell that by looking at him. So don't judge a book by its cover, maybe. Not everything is as it seems, and there's, there's always more to uncover, and there's more to it than you might realize or understand at first. And then another message that's kind of cropped up later and that I think will be a stronger message going forward is this idea about choosing between what is right and what is easy. And that's something that we all constantly battle with every single, you know, it's just a part of daily life. You want to do the right thing, but sometimes the right thing isn't the easy thing. And that's definitely the case for Frodo. Going to Mordor is, uh, I would say, the about not easiest thing you could do but it is the right thing. 
And also that just kind of ties back to the first thing I was talking about, how how you might not expect for this little ordinary hobbit to be put in a situation where he has to choose between what is right and easy. But the fact that he chooses what is right is also a huge testament to his character that I probably wouldn't have predicted uh, at the start of the series. So there's that. I'm sure there are a lot of English majors listening (laughs) and like yelling at me that I didn't talk about the most obvious theme and message. So sorry about that. So Green Pixie 12 asks a question that uh, a lot of people have asked and I think will change throughout the series. So maybe this is just a question that I will revisit multiple times. This question is, can you sort the members of the fellowship into their Hogwarts houses? I will try my best. This is just my opinion. Boromir is a Gryffindor in the sense that he's a dumb jock Gryffindor. And also like also in the sense that he, I'm sure a lot of people are like, well, obviously he's a Slytherin. He's not a Slytherin because if he was a Slytherin, he would have thought through his plan a lot better. Gryffindors just jump headfirst into action, like regardless of the facts or consequences. Slytherins think a little bit better. I think, and that's also kind of why I think Aragorn might be a Slytherin slash Ravenclaw. He seems very smart and like he has a level head. He knows what he's doing. He might be more on the Ravenclaw side um, than the Slytherin side, but I can kind of see how those two go can go together a little bit. I will say though, he doesn't, it, it seems like he doesn't really have the ambition but maybe the ambition to return to his throne or, or whatever, re- take hold of his title, um, maybe that ambition is more underlying than we than we see it. But I think that is also a, a guiding principle in Aragorn's character. Gimli, I think, would be a Hufflepuff. Sure. I think Gimli would be a Hufflepuff because he longed so much to find out what happened to the dwarves in Moria and to make that connection. And he was obviously heartbroken when he found out the truth of the matter. And he also, when they go into Lothlorien and the beef between the dwarves and the elves is kind of settled, he that's something that he does not take lightly. He understands that's a big deal. So he is very much kind of about the relationships between him and the other dwarves, as well as the dwarves and the elves. And then Legolas. I feel like Legolas is maybe a Ravenclaw, just because I'm sorting all of the elves into Ravenclaw. I think it was Valerie who read a part of Tolkien's letters that described the magic of the elves. And it it just sounded so much like how Ravenclaws view magic, how it's a very creative form of expression. It's not something for power. It's not something to show off how strong you are or to show off how cool you are or whatever. The magic is an expression of themselves and of their livelihood. I think Gandalf is a Slytherin because he clearly has an idea of a much larger plan at play. And I think he's an example of what it's like to be a good Slytherin. And oh, and also kind of contrasting, whereas Saruman is an example of a bad Slytherin where they both have this potential they both have this incredible power and they have the potential to use it badly but they but Gandalf does not use it badly and Saruman does so yeah i think Gandalf is a Slytherin i think he has a much better idea of what's going on i'm sure we'll see him i'm sure dying in Moria was all part of his plan 
That's also very Dumbledore of him. I mean, I have talked constantly about how similar Dumbledore and Gandalf are. And Dumbledore, I think, is a Gryffindor, but... I think Gandalf is too sassy to be a Gryffindor. Gandalf is such a Slytherin. And then the Hobbits are all Hufflepuffs. I don't think any of them are Gryffindors. I don't think any of them are Slytherins. I think they're all Hufflepuffs. They're all the Frodo, Sam, Mary, and Pippin are all Hufflepuffs. And I think that covers the Fellowship. So we will check in at the end of Two Towers to see how those answers change, if they change at all. So S... T-O-B-O-1 asks, most satisfying prediction? I really liked my prediction that the person or the figure following them was Gollum. From the, like, from the second, I think it was in chapter four, when that first appeared, when the, it just talks about, like, feet, the sound of, like, feet slapping on the, on the stone. And I was like, that's gotta be Gollum, because Gollum is this, I'm imagining a gross creature, and... His feet have to be slapping in a gross fashion, like they're slimy or something. Uh, and he does have hobbit feet. So I guess he's just like running around with, with scuba flippers on. So that was pretty nice to be right about that. I also liked the fact that I was right how the ring has some adverse effect on the people who are around it, even though they're not wearing it or carrying it, and how we see that happen to Boromir and Obviously, he was the most influential of all of them, uh, I think, because he carried negative feelings with him about how they were tackling this trip and this plan. And I think those negative feelings allowed the allowed the ring to influence him stronger than the other people. Valerie Winters asks, which members of the Fellowship do you think will live till the end of the series? I'm assuming the four main Hobbs, Aragorn... Legolas, Gimli, and Gandalf? Is that too hopeful? We know that Boromir dies, and to me, that's all that matters. I wouldn't be surprised if Aragorn died. I do kind of have that theory going on as well that he's going to follow after the tale that he tells the fellow, uh, the hobbits about Luthien and Baron and how Baron dies. And if he's his, if his life is modeling after that tale, then he gonna die. Uh, I won't be surprised if Aragorn dies. I know that Boromir dies. I think it would be very sad (laughs) if, um, uh, and a manipulation of the audience, if Tolkien killed off one of the four hobbits. That would be tragic. I will revolt if either Legolas or Gimli dies. Oh, and that goes into Cass Brown's question. Do you think Tolkien will throw any surprises at you and what might they be? Yeah, so if... Aragorn dies if if Gimli or Legolas dies. I'm really waiting on Boromir to I don't know when that's going to happen. So that will be a surprise to me when it happens. Oh my lonely monster asks, do you plan on reading The Hobbit after you're done with Lord of the Rings? And yes, I of course plan on reading The Hobbit once I've finished these three Lord of the Rings books. I'm not sure how the scheduling will go if so I'm doing the three books first, and then I'm not sure if I'll go right into The Hobbit or if I'll do the move, the Lord of the Rings movies first and then read The Hobbit and then do The Hobbit movies, or if I'll do all the books and then all the movies. My instinct would be to do the Lord of the Rings movies and then go to The Hobbit, 
I feel like by the time I get to the Hobbit movies, I will have forgotten what happened to the Hobbit if I'm watching the Lord of the Rings movies. I think that's that's how it'll go. And then Ethan and Tyler also tell me that I, I'm obligated to read anything that has Tolkien's name on it. We will see what happens with the Silmarillion. I still have no idea. Another great question from uh, Jass underscore Peregrina. Would you keep reading if you weren't doing the podcast? And honestly, I probably wouldn't. Don't come at me. But I also wouldn't have started this book without starting the podcast. I like the way that I'm reading the book and I like that I get to talk about it so in depth with people who are so excited about it. And it's a for me, it's okay that without the podcast, I might not have ever read this book or this series, but I'm glad that I am reading it and I'm glad that I have the platform to be able to talk about it and experience it the way that I am experiencing it. Siblings and fandoms ask, What do you think of the writing style Token has adopted and do slash will you sense any inconsistencies resulting from the large amount of time he spent writing it? In parentheses, decades. I haven't yet spotted any inconsistencies and Tolkien doesn't strike me as the type of person who would have inconsistencies. If he does have any inconsistencies, it's got to be something that not even the most knowledgeable Tolkien experts could spot because that man mapped this out. He planned it out. He he knows what he's doing. If anything, I think I might just see that the writing style itself maybe becomes more natural rather than sounding archaic and old. But that also might just be as I, the reader, am getting used to reading that style. But um, to answer the first part of your question, his writing, I mean, he's... I, I joke all the time that like, oh, wow, Tolkien's a good writer, but he's he's an excellent writer. I went to homecoming for my college and was tailgating with Tyler and Ethan, and we were talking about how Harry Potter is a great story and it has great characters, and we, th- we think Harry Potter is the better story, but Tolkien's writing is just so, so good. And I remember saying that Tolkien, Tolkien has a great story, but his writing kind of gets in the way of telling that story because it's so... The Lord of the Rings are kind of like a writing first, story later kind of a series. But it's so beautiful. Just in particular, I picked, I think it was chapter, I said chapter seven is my favorite chapter because of the language he uses to describe the elves and Lothlorien and and everything. It's just so amazing and outstanding. So I really love uh, his writing. It's 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 amazing. I I get it. I get it, people. Renee de Soet sent me all of these amazing questions. And Renee, I'm not going to be able to answer all of these, unfortunately, but these are so great. And I so appreciate the time you put sending these to me. Like there are so many great questions, but this is a great question. <laughs> What moment were you most surprised? What part of the plot so far did you absolutely not see coming? And I think it's definitely when they get to the Prancing Pony and this dumb barman, Butterman, Barley, Barley Man, whatever his name is, Butterbeer, is this bumbling idiot And I'm like, okay, whatever. He's just a silly side character that Tolkien likes to do. And then he comes back in the next chapter 
and he's the reason why things have been going so wrong because he forgot to send a freaking letter. And the fact that this letter from Gandalf lays out everything to a T that they should have been doing. And if they had gotten that letter, their lives would have been so much easier. And the fact that this dumb idiot barman is the reason that that this letter did not get sent. That one had me going for, for a while. Oh, and then she also asks, the Middle Earth map is very, very detailed. Oh my gosh. Yes, it is. Which countries or places do you think slash hope we will actually get to during the Lord of the Rings story? I'm going to answer specifically for two towers. I hope we get to Gondor. I hope we learn more about Gondor, maybe Minas Tirith specifically. Um, but the fact that like Boromir's mission and the reason he the, the ring drove him so much insane was because he wanted so badly to go to Gondor. I hope we do go to Gondor and we see what's going on there. Um... And then I'm assuming we're not going to get to Mordor in Two Towers. I'm assuming that won't happen until Return of the King. But who knows? I don't know. It would be great. I also want to go wherever the heck Saruman is. See what he's he's up to, maybe? <laughs> or maybe they run into him or something. I don't know. Um, See see where he what he's doing. Maybe they can, you know, bring him to the good side or something. But I hope there's more specific talk about Mordor and how to get into Mordor. Because that's all, I mean, you know, it's it's the meme. One does not simply walk into Mordor, but in all seriousness, how are they going to get into Mordor? So I hope that logistical question is at least touched upon. I also have a question that most recent guest Bethany Pyle sent me. Which character do you identify with and why? Great question. I feel like there have been times, I, I think it was like chapter eight or something where I was like, Mary is me. Because everyone was going out into the party, into the bar to talk to people. And Mary was like, I'm going to hang out here. Y'all have fun. Like putting it in, in perspective, when I was in my study abroad trip in Europe and like we would get to a hostel late at night after just getting to the city. And a lot of hostels nowadays have like a coffee shop area or a restaurant area or something or a common room area where people will go and hang out and, and talk. And I remember the first night we were, we were in Amsterdam and our group went down to the restaurant and I just remember being like, I just want to be in bed. <laughs> Can we go to bed now? I don't want to be here. Uh, and in a more realistic sense, I, I feel like I'm Pippin <laughs> just because sometimes I'm like, I'm such a disaster. <laughs> um, Pippin is a, a fool of a took and I'm a disaster of a person, so... <laughs> But in terms of, of characters that I straight up identify with, I, in all seriousness, I don't really identify with any of them right now because they're all very fantastical characters. They're they're very much like, even even the two humans, I feel like, are, are very firmly established in a fantasy world. So for me, it's hard to be like, oh yeah, I see myself in them. And then I think it's also hard for me because th- we've had like one great female character. Obviously, I'm talking about Galadriel. And obviously, I'm not going to say that I see myself in Galadriel because she is perfect. And I just said, I'm a disaster of a human. I I hope that... Oh, oh, I do know there's a character that comes along who takes off her helmet and goes, I am no man. I hope I identify with her. So we'll see. Okay, I'm sorry. I swear I'm not playing favorites. Renee just sent a lot of great questions. And I think I'll use this one to to end this little second breakfast 
Q&A session. What part of starting a podcast was harder or less fun than you had expected? What was easier slash more fun than expected? What was a lot harder than I expected for me is, was editing. I it, When I was in college, I was a video blogger on a weekly basis for our student blog. And that was something where I had to create, film, and edit, and upload a video on a weekly basis. And I was able to crank them out really quickly and edit them really quickly. So I was like, oh, yeah, I can edit really fast, no problem. It definitely takes me a lot longer to edit than I would have thought. But I'm getting a lot better. It also, all joking aside, really did help when I turned my microphone in the correct direction uh, because it was less audio to manipulate. So that was a little harder than I expected. It, it was it was hard for me to get into a routine uh, and figure out a schedule for, okay, when do I contact a guest? When do I reach out to someone to ask them to come on as a guest? When do we record? When do I need to record? When do I need, need to have it done edited? And all of that. It was just kind of difficult to figure out that schedule. But thankfully, now I've figured it out and have gotten into more of a routine that works for me. So that's been good. And then something that's been way easier, something that I thought was going to be the hard part was was the guests. I thought that finding guests and I thought that talking to the guests was going to be like pulling teeth. There have been a lot of times where a guest comes on that I am like, this is a stranger I reached out to via Instagram direct message. Uh, I have no idea what this is going to be like. This is going to be a total flop. And I'm I'm so lucky that all of the guests have been so awesome and great. I'm I'm so thrilled. And it was it's so fun to talk to them. Like some of like some of my favorite episodes have been with the people that were complete strangers and kind of are mostly still strangers. But I am just so th- thank you to anyone who has ever been a guest before for for being great for having great things to talk about, for dealing with my constant rambling, for dealing with my dumb pronunciations of things and so wrong predictions and just holding back everything. Uh, So thank you so much for that. And also, thank you so much to you, listener, as you are listening right now. That's another thing that really surprised me is I... I'm so surprised that there are people who care about me reading this book and are actually super excited when Tuesday rolls around and a new episode comes out and people who actually engage with me on social media. I love talking on social media. I love seeing your replies. I love if I don't reply to any of your messages, I always try and at least send a heart or something to let you know that I have seen it and I appreciate it so much. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're great. And on that note, let's let's read the two towers. Hopefully I will be less sick when that happens. Oh my god, I'm dying.